You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Thank you, Harrison and band, for leading some worship this morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Now that I am no longer a popsicle, um, you can take out your copy of the scriptures and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. That's where we'll be uh, sharing from today. Hope that you guys had a great Christmas season. Um, Obviously, uh, it has been different for most, if not all of us, uh, as 2020 has been. We've talked about that. Um, And so this morning, I really, when when Thomas asked me to, to share the word with you this morning, this was the passage of scripture that I really felt compelled to go to because I think in in that season between Christmas and New Year's, we, are start, we all start thinking about 2021, and I know we all have a lot of hope that 2021 is going to uh, right a lot of the wrongs of 2020. Um, but ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, we can't rest in a year to do that. Um, we have to rest in the Word. We have to rest in our Savior to do that. And so as we turn to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to unpack, we're going to let Paul unpack passage of scripture for us that I think is going to give us direction going into the next year if we heed it. So I do what I do, and that's, I'm going to share something from history for you uh, before we get started with the passage of scripture. In 1796, uh, George Washington had the opportunity to run for president for the third time, but uh, unlike uh, a lot of politicians today, George Washington did not like politics and did not want to spend his career in it. And he decided that it was time to hang it up and the old soldier to go home. Uh, And George Washington talked to his buddy, Alexander Hamilton, who's been famous recently for some reason. And and Hamilton crafts a speech that George Washington approves. And in that speech, George Washington said to the country in his farewell address, he said, there's two things I want to warn you against. Two things. Okay. Number one. I want you to avoid foreign alliances and foreign entanglements. They'll get you in a whole lot of trouble. And number two, whatever you do, do not have political parties. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we sit here today knowing what we know, that we did not listen to George Washington, did we? And boy, what a wreck we have. His words were wise, but they were not heeded. And I want to make the statement to you this morning that the words that Paul is going to share with us are even more wise than the words of our first president. And they have greater implications for us if we heed them and if we don't. Here's the reality. Um, Paul is writing to a church riddled with division in the Corinthians. If you've read through the book, You know this. If you haven't, you should. Um, There's division over which leaders to follow. There's divisions over which gifts are superior in worship. Uh, Paul's going to address the fact that they're not addressing sin within the midst of their congregation. Uh, That there are lawsuits among believers. That they're even not approaching the Lord's Supper the proper way. I mean, Paul, in the first 14 chapters of this book, it is not a very nice letter to a church. It's a clear rebuke of a lot of the things that have been going on in in the Corinthian church. 
And then in chapters 15 and 16, he does what he does in all of his other books. He lays out doctrine for them. But what's interesting is in chapter 15, Paul spends more time on the resurrection than in any other passage in the entire New Testament. How about that? It is the most descriptive and important passage on the resurrection in Paul's letters. And he's going to really focus the church in that direction. Because Paul believed that they lost their vision. Paul believed that they had gotten off track. And I want to make the argument, ladies and gentlemen, as we close out 2020 and get ready to start 2021, that perhaps there have been many things this year that will have caused us to lose our focus and get it off the main thing. For example, there are several words, I think, that describe this year. I think the word divided describes this year. Is that fair? We have a nation divided, obviously, anytime we have an election year. But, boy, it seems like it was even more divided this year than it's been in the past. We've been divided over whether or not to wear masks, though I want to commend you guys here for your devotion to doing that. I think that, uh, that that's been great. But we know that in society, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not to do that. There's been a division over whether or not Notre Dame should be in the four, but that really doesn't have anything to do with, with this this morning. But, but there has been division about those kind of things. Is that fair? We've had division in our country this year. Uh, we've, we've also had a lot of people who are distraught. A lot of anxiety. Is it safe for me to go to the store? Safe for me to go to work. Should I let my kids go to school? What's going to happen when the election's over? Do I need to build a bunker? Fair question. A lot of people are distraught. Is that fair? A lot of anxiety. And the statistics tell us the final day is there's a lot of people who are depressed. Having to be by themselves. Now some of, some of you are rejoicing. You were wondering why it was not acceptable to build a bunker and live that way your whole life anyway. But for a lot of people, but for a lot of people, man, depression is at an all-time high. It's at an all-time high. There are a lot of people who are struggling with that. They're just not sure what to do. As we think about these things, what these things do is they cause us to, to get off base. It, it affects our home. Is that fair? It affects our workplace. It affects our country. And ladies and gentlemen, it affects our walk. It can affect our walk with the Lord. And it can affect our church. So this morning as we read this passage from Paul, I really want this. My dad was a diesel mechanic. One of the things you do on diesel trucks to make sure we get the stuff we need, diesel trucks have to have their PM. They have to have their preventive maintenance. This morning I think the Lord has used this passage to cause me to do a lot of reflection. Last couple of days. And I think that's what he wants from us this morning. Real checkup. The end of 2020. Get us ready for what I believe is 2021. Because I believe that when the enemy is as active as he has been in 2020, that is because the Lord is on the move. As they said in Narnia, Aslan is coming. Right? He's on the move. And I believe our Lord is on the move. There are already things like, you read about what's going on at the Long Hollow Baptist up in Nashville, Tennessee. God is doing some amazing things, and I think he wants to do that here. But ladies and gentlemen, we must allow this maintenance to take place. 
to check us. So let's read the scripture together this morning. First Corinthians chapter 15 will be on the screen for you at home or here. If you got yours, uh, mark it as you come to these important words. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and they had appeared to Cephas that's Peter and then to the 12 let's pray father come before you this morning lord let your word echo in our hearts may it reach every corner may it mold us and shape us into the image and character of your son we ask these things in your name amen Four things we're going to look at this morning. The first one is going to be the long one. The other three are going to go pretty quickly this morning. But the first thing I want us to see in this passage is Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and it's applicable to us about the gospel proclamation reminded. They need to be reminded about the proclamation of the gospel. Due to the problems that are developed in the church, Paul is reminding them of the gospel. Now I know you're sitting here going, but we hear about the gospel all the time. Good, let's hear about it again. Because ultimately, it is the reason that we're here. Let's unpack it. The word remind here, or to make known, means to recall to one's mind as though it had escaped their memory. All right, fellas, you ready? Here we go. It's a non-COVID year. Your wife says to you, I need you to go to the store and I need you to get these things. Now, we be in men sometimes. Well, I don't need to write that down. We go to the store. And inevitably, what happens when we come home? Typically, for me, it was the last two things on the list that I forgot. Right? I needed to be reminded. That's why a lot of times Lisa will send me a text while I'm at the store. Don't forget the, Right? Or maybe it's that thing that you've been saying you'd be getting to for the last six years, fellas. And she keeps reminding you. That, that, that's what Paul's saying here. You need to be reminded. I've preached this to you already. It's already been done. It's not like you've never heard it, but that you need to be reminded of it. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to be reminded of it. Notice what Paul says here. He says it in verse 3. He says, look, I... I I received it. It's the gospel I received. Paul's saying, look, I just want you to understand. This is not me sitting around with a group of guys in a think tank coming up with the idea of the gospel. No, 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 no. I'm walking down the road to Damascus. I got life all figured out. And I come face to face with the Savior of the universe. And he changed my life. And then the scales fall off my eyes. And Ananias disciples me. And I learn more about what the gospel means. And now I'm here to proclaim it to you. It's the gospel, Paul says in Romans 1, he's not ashamed of because he knows it's the power of God. So the reason we need to be reminded of it is because it is the true power in the life of the believer. It is the true power. He also says that the gospel, if you read there further on in verse 3, was of first importance. Now what I'm about to say is extremely controversial. But it's true. 
It's good to feed the hungry. We should do it. It's good to clothe those who don't have clothing. It's great. It's good to fight for those who are less fortunate. We absolutely should do those things. But I want you to understand that if we do all of those things and we don't share the gospel with those individuals, here it is. Are you ready? I had to come to grips with this. We are making people more comfortable on their path to eternal separation from God. If the gospel is not proclaimed. That's the reality. It's not enough to just throw money. Great to do Lottie Moon. Dr. Linda, thank you so much for what you do. But if the gospel's not proclaimed, what did we do? What did we do? Not what we were called to do. So let's look quickly at Paul's clarification of what the gospel is. Let this sink in. Let this watch. I know you've heard it, but please don't make this items three and four on your grocery list, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to it fresh and anew like you've never heard it before. It's what we have to constantly do with this. You ready? Here it goes. The Bible says, here Paul says, Christ died for our sins. That's what he said. And the word for sin here is the most comprehensive word for sin used in all of Scripture. And you can read about iniquity and transgression, but this is the word sin. It literally means to miss the mark. Pastor Thomas talked about a little, little bit about this last week, but I'm going to put this at another level. Okay, let's say that we put a target. We're out target shooting, and I put a target over there, all right? And I go get somebody who's a great marksman that's not named me. And they take the rifle, and they fire it, and there's the little bullseye, and they miss by a couple of millimeters. And then I take the gun, and I shoot it, and I don't even hit the target. Who missed the mark? We both did. You see, it doesn't matter if I miss the mark a little bit or a lot of bit. I still miss the mark. And if we aren't as perfect, holy, and righteous as God, we miss the mark. Romans puts it this way. All of us have sinned and missed the mark. All of us. Romans 6.23 goes on to say, And because we've sinned and missed the mark, the wages of that sin is death. We, deter- we deserve eternal separation from God. That's what we deserve. But this manger, right? This, this manger is about the, the Son of God coming as an innocent baby, born in a manger. But here's the difference between Jesus and the rest of it. The innocence that he had when he was born never left him. Not one time when he walked this earth did Jesus Christ ever sin. He didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve to have nails driven in his hands and feet, a crown of thorns on his brow, to die the most excruciating death that humanity could ever experience. He didn't deserve that. But the Bible says, He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. The hymn writer put it this way, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That's what he said. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say, He died for our sins according to Scripture. Now, the Old Testament provides numerous passages and prophecies concerning the death of Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 is where it starts, and it is meshed throughout the entire Old Testament. But in no place is it more visible 
than Isaiah 53. So much so that I think it is important that as, as, as a church that we read Scripture together and that we are reminded that hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. And they're going to come on the screen and we're going to read them together, okay? So let's, let, let's read this, okay? Who, you don't have to read it out loud. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living. Stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And though he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for transgressors. That is our Savior. Foretold hundreds of years before what would happen. He would bear our iniquities, and he did. And he did. Paul goes on to write in 1 Corinthians. He was buried and raised on the third day according to scriptures. This is the really good news of the gospel. Jesus was buried in the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea. They rolled that, that stone in front of that tomb. They sealed it, put a Roman guard out there. They got him in the grave. He's good to go. And then all of a sudden on the third day, we know what happens. The stone is rolled away by the angel. And Jesus victoriously walks out of that grave. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason we are here. That is the reason we are here. And Psalms says he would not allow his Holy One to undergo decay. As a reminder that not only was the crucifixion foretold in the Old Testament, but so was the resurrection. Jesus is not... In the grave. And some of you are saying, but it's not Easter. No, it's Easter for us every week. Every day. Because we don't exist. We have no reason to be here if the tomb is empty. But the tomb is not empty. Excuse me. The tomb is empty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The tomb is empty. Whew. The tomb is empty. And that's why we're here. That's why we stand here. That's why we read. That's why we exist. 
The Bible says, and then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. It wasn't just prophesied. Here's the cool part. They told it was going to happen. It happened. And then you've got witnesses that it did happen because in the Greek and the Roman world, facts matter. And the Greeks and the Romans want evidence. And here are dozens and dozens and dozens of witnesses who actually saw Jesus alive after the crucifixion and after the resurrection. These passages remind us of the good news of the gospel in our lives. That's why we're here. So the first thing Paul says is, I want to remind you of the gospel that I proclaim to you. Here it is. You were sinners. Christ died for your sin and he rose victorious over the grave. That's the gospel. But the second thing he said here was, go back to verse 1, the gospel which you also received. This word received literally means by the transmission of others. This was typically an oral transmission because back in that day, there was a scarcity of writing material. You couldn't just go out and buy a paper. Oh, do you want college rule or do you want original? You know, what, what do you want? You couldn't do that. Paper was a high-priced commodity. So were writing utensils. Not easy to get your hands on those things. So most messages were not written. They were passed down orally. And this was receiving what was proclaimed. We know that faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul wants his listeners to remember what they heard and what they believed. And so this morning, I want to ask you this, this question. Do you remember when you heard the word preached? Do you remember when Christ called you? You don't have to understand the intricate theological parts of salvation. Maybe it was at VBS. Somebody shared the truth that Jesus died for your sins and you trusted him. Maybe it was at a service like this one or a youth camp. Maybe it was at home. Somebody shared with you. Maybe you were out in public and somebody shared the gospel with you and you trusted. I don't know your story you do question is have you responded in faith so here's what i want us to do something a little bit different this morning i want you to take a minute this for real everybody everybody participates here i want you to close your eyes nobody's going to get to raise their hand i know the old signal with that i want you to think back to when you trusted christ go back to that moment when you responded to the call to follow Jesus, I want you to take a minute, quietly and privately, and I want you to thank God for calling you to trust Jesus and the work of the gospel in his life. I want you to have a private moment of worship and thanksgiving. In a time where we've told everybody else thank you for all the gifts, I want us to take a few minutes this morning and just thank God for the gift of salvation. It's going to be really quiet, but I want you to take this minute and thank you. Don't let that be the last time this week that you do that. You can open your eyes. If you're finished, if you're still talking to the Lord, you, you're still thinking, you keep going. It'll be all right. Perhaps you're here this morning and you couldn't recall that moment. In a minute, in a few minutes, I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to respond to that gospel. You actually don't even have to wait. You can respond right now, right where you are, right? 
But it is important that we take time to remember our response to the gospel. It's important that we do that. It's an anchor moment, right? Really, really, really important. Third thing, so we talked about remembering the gospel being preached, reminding about the gospel being preached, remembering when when we trusted Christ. And then Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, the gospel in which you stand. And he, he he encourages them what we call gospel steadfastness, that I want you to just stand. Okay, to stand means we, we take up or maintain a posture or a position. Paul's reminding the Corinthians of the importance, not only of believing the gospel, but of anchoring in it. Ladies and gentlemen, salvation is not fire insurance. It's not something you get, oh, well, I was eight at vacation Bible school, and you live the rest of your life for yourself. That is not saving faith. It's not. Um, a faith that happens once while you were small but never impacted you again. Good example. Imagine, and please do not try this at home. You have to say those things today. But imagine that you're walking along the railroad tracks. And coming down the railroad tracks is a freight train. Wide open as fast as it can go. He's yanking the horn, wah, wah, right, and it's coming. But instead of making the decision to jump off the tracks, you get hit by the train. If you survive, your life is never going to be the same, is it? Never going to be the same. Now, you ready? Explain to me how we can come face to face through Jesus Christ with the holy God of the universe who is much larger than a freight train and much more powerful and be no different. I want you to grapple with that. Remember, this is an examination day. Grapple with that. How is my life different? Now, some people have those testimonies. You know, those testimonies you hear and go, wow, God, really? Like, that person, like, they were a drug dealer or they were like a murderer and God did this amazing thing in their life. Remember the miss the mark part. It doesn't matter if I miss a little or miss a lot. Right? God's doing things in my life. He's changing me. If I be, somebody becomes a, a believer at age 8, and somebody becomes a believer at age 28, the change is going to look different, isn't it? But there's still change. You see what I mean? You have to be really careful, because I became a believer at, an, a, at a young age, so a lot of times when people use that whole change thing, you're saying, why has there been a change in your life? And I'm sitting there going, well, gosh, I mean, I ain't killed anybody. You know? Talk about that a little bit more in a minute. That changed. Paul, Paul has to remind the Corinthians, look, stand by the gospel. So much of the world had entered their lives and their church. It was very difficult to see a distinction. We have to look different. We can't look the same. We can't. It's not possible to look the same. Or it's not what we should desire. All right? Our depression, our division, our distraughtness can have the same impact can have the same impact on us. But if we receive the gospel and stand in it daily, it'll help us in those moments. We need to be reminded in difficult times to stand in the gospel. Yes, we respond, we believed it. Now we have to stand in it. Paul David Tripp said, preach the gospel to yourself every single day to remind you, I have to stand in the gospel today. Because it's the reason I'm here. That's why I'm here. I have to stand in it. 
when Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians about the armor of God, he said, have your feet shod, have, have your feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Now, it's interesting. The gospel's where? The feet. Why in the world did Paul say that? Well, in the ancient Roman world, they wore sandals, right? Not Nike, they know that yet. And sandals, and sandals don't have a lot of great grip on them, right? So the Roman soldiers would take those sandals, and they would take a nail or a spike or whatever, and they would drive it through the heel. Whatever sharp implement they could find, so that when they got into hand-to-hand combat, guess what they could do? They could stand and fight and not give up ground. What spike are we driving through our shoes? It's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. That is what, when everything else around us crumbles, when everything around us falls apart, that is what we lean in. That is what we trust on. Because it's the only thing we can trust in. Because everything else can and will fall apart around you. And it's important that we trust. Stand in the gospel. You will face difficulties. I will face difficulties. Remember the hope and truth we have in Jesus Christ. Finally, I want us to see gospel deliverance. Notice it says, the gospel by which you are being saved, and there's a condition, if you are holding fast. The word saved here is the Greek word sozo. It's passive, meaning saved is not something you do for yourself. It's something that's done for you means that we must be reminded of our experiences of God's power to deliver us from the bondage of sin. It is an ongoing reminder tied to the conditional if you hold fast to the word of the gospel. The reality is that Christ has delivered us from our sin upon salvation, right? He is currently delivering us from sin as we are being, that word is sanctified, or being made more like Jesus. We're being saved and one day... Praise the Lord, as we will be when he comes, we are going to be eternally saved and be with Jesus. Amen? That's what is going to happen. He will save us when he comes. If But Paul uses this conditional language. I'm not inventing this one. If you hold fast to the word. He knew that some in Corinth had merely a head knowledge of the gospel. Or as we say in the South, maybe they'd call it a case of the do-betters. Y'all know some folks like that, right? Got a case of the do-betters. Perhaps they'd done good deeds. But when the real test came, did they endure? Here's the statement. True salvation always endures. Or as we've said in Alabama for a long time, once saved, Always. It endures. John wrote in his first epistle, they went out from us because they were not of us. The reality is there were some in Corinth who truly did not have saving faith in Jesus. That same reality we have to grapple with. Billy Graham, you guys know who that is, right? Billy Graham said, this was disturbing, that he believed eight of ten people who attended the average church service in a week didn't know Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that he was right statistically. I'm not saying that they they did a Gallup poll and that's what they found. But the reality, based on what Paul is writing here and based on what we know that Jesus said, that many will will not find it. Only a few will find it. We, We know that there are those who are not truly holding on to saving faith. 
It's not about doubting your faith. I'm not trying to get anybody to do that this morning. I do not believe in that. I don't believe that's valuable. But it is important to examine it. It is important to examine our faith. The real reality, the real question about holding on to your faith is about your desire for a deeper relationship with our Savior. It's the desire to read His Word, spend time in prayer with Him, get to know Him. Imagine that you're trying to have a relationship with somebody but they never want to spend time with you. Now, a lot of ladies shake their head on that one. Like, yep, I know that's the way you is. You can't have a relationship that way, right? You can't truly, listen to me, you can't truly be a follower of Jesus and never spend time in prayer with him and never crack his word. You can't. Where do you see that? John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is right before the crucifixion. He's talking to them, and he says these words. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that, here's the word, abides in me, and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from him, apart from me, you can do nothing. The word is abide. And the true test of our walk with the Lord is the question is, are we abiding with him? That does not mean that there are not going to be moments where you wake up and go, I've got to read my Bible today. Right? That happens. But if you never want to do it, and it doesn't really bother you that you've gone through a week and you haven't opened the word, you haven't spent any time in prayer, and if 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 it doesn't bother you, I'm going to do some real examination. Because those we love, we want to spend time with. And if we're not in love with our Savior, what are we in love with? You know, abiding is a difficult thing. We often learn it the hard way. And uh, that has been true for me this year. Um, Many of you know our story, or at least parts of it. Um, But I'm going to share a few minutes, if I may, about how the Lord draws us to Him to abide. July 21st, I dropped my dad off at the ER with COVID. Uh, Mom went that night by ambulance. Uh, The next um, 10 to 11 days were spent in great anguish, if I'm just honest. Many of you some of you know that story. We, we ebb and flow with, with the limited amount of information that comes in and out of the hospitals. Um, and I specifically remember the moment that I truly gained a deeper understanding of what the word abide meant. Um, I was at mom and dad's house. Uh, I just dropped off the lawnmower. And like a ton of bricks, this great weight hit me. And I fell to my knees. And I said to the Lord, I cannot do this without you. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. And it was at that moment that I think I truly began to 
to gain a depth to my relationship with the Lord that I never had before. I'm not saying that the, the anguish immediately went away, but, but that afternoon I was called upon to make some really difficult decisions. And I've had some people come to me and go, I, I don't understand how you were able to do that. And my response to that was, well, that makes two of us. Because here's the cool part about abiding and holding fast, ladies and gentlemen. Holding fast is a two-way street. That means we're holding on to him, but guess what? He's also holding on to us. And praise Jesus, his grip is stronger than mine. Amen. His grip is stronger. So I want to close with these challenges this morning. Perhaps you're here today and you have never believed the gospel. You've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you're compelled to do so today. Right here, right now, right where you are. Pray to the name of Jesus because the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Trust him in that. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ. Man, when we start singing in a minute, let's go back to that moment where we're just praising Jesus for saving us. All other distractions removed. There's nothing else important. There's nothing else that's important. There's nothing else that matters but that we have trusted Christ at that moment. Maybe right now there are many of us who, who are struggling. There's a lot of loss, a lot of grief this year. I want to challenge you. Stand in the gospel Every morning when you get out of bed, you thank Jesus for saving you. You remind yourself that you're a sinner who's been saved by a marvelous Savior. Spend time reading the Word. Spend time praying with Him. And just abide in Him. Because I truly believe that God is on the move. And that He wants to do something amazing. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I want to see sinners coming to know a great Savior. And I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything to be in the way of that happening. I want to be a part of it. So as the band comes this morning, and we pray, I want to challenge you in those things. You know where your heart is. You listen. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is true. Your gospel is powerful. And Lord, you have saved us, and we are so thankful for that, Lord. I pray that as you go through each heart in this room, Lord, there'd be an examination, there'd be a checkup, Lord. That you would use each of us for your glory. If somebody doesn't know you, that they come to know you today. Lord, we just um, we thank you again for Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.